0: Man, we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? So cool. It's been an awesome year. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Let's jump in. We've been looking at Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, his main theme being joy in Christ and contentment in any circumstance, any situation. Talking about the key to that is right thinking. As we look at our one-year celebration today, today we're going to kind of look back at some things that have been happening, and, and you're going to see where we're going to be in, the, in the, the text today. And then next week, we're going to look forward, and next week, kind of starting to cast some vision on what is this next year? What does the next three years look like for Hill City? What are some of our goals? What are some of the main initiatives we want to accomplish? That will be next week. But as we talk about joy and, 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 and contentment, here's what I believe is Christian contentment is believing that Christ is sufficient for all joy. Contentment, Christian contentment, is believing that Christ is sufficient. He's enough for all all joy. And here's how I know when discontentment's creeping up in my life. When I start to say things like, when blank, then I'll be happy. When I make a little more money, then I'll be happy. When my kids get a little older, then I'll have joy. Discontentment. So, if contentment is that Christ is sufficient for all things in, for me to have joy, then discontentment is when blank happens, then I'll have that joy. And maybe the, the way you uh, measure your contentment is your life of how many if then statements you're making. If I could just blank, then I would be content. Here's what we know contentment is rare. And contentment has to be fought for. It doesn't happen. There's no contentment angel in the Bible that's going to come and just drop fairy dust on you and all of a sudden you can be content. Contentment has to be fought for. I've, I've had moments in my life, seasons of great contentment. And I've had other seasons where I believed, if blank, then I would be content. Contentment must be fought for. But it's worth the fight, because everyone in here, I think, would say, I want to live a life of joy. And so Paul's book to this Philippians is his recipe for joy. It's right thinking. It's understanding that in all things he can be content. It's his recipe for joy. Paul's going to add another element to contentment today, to joy, pursuing joy for our lives. He's going to add another element to that, and that is generosity. And so today... Paul's going to talk to this church about money and about being generous and he's going to overflow with Thanksgiving for this church that was generous so we're going to talk about money today now I'm not afraid to talk about money um, as you can tell from this year at Hill City we're going to step into places that that uh, could be controversial but here's what we here's what I believe if we don't talk about certain topics we're unintentionally saying the Bible has nothing to say about that topic so that's why we talk about depression and why we've talked about homosexuality we've talked about racial reconciliation and so the Bible has a ton to say about money and I'm not afraid to talk about it now some of you here's what you say oh well, I'm not coming back to this church all they wants my money right we've heard that one before well here's what I'll tell you two things to that and then I'll move on number one this is the first time I've really talked about money it's our text has not gotten us there but it does today number two um, that statement may reveal your heart and at some point I'm making that anyways so let's just get it over with sound good Um, So Philippians chapter 4 Let's jump into verse 10 As we look about another Recipe for joy as Paul talks to this church Here's what he says I rejoiced in the Lord greatly That now at length you have At length you have revived your concern for me What he means by revived your concern Is they sent him another A gift offering for his ministry Not that I am speaking of being in need Maybe one of the greatest sentences of Philippians here. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Man, I wish I could say that. Look at that statement. I've learned that in every situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. I know how to win and succeed. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What's his secret? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul has this great line. I have learned in any situation to be content, whether that is I have great blessing in my life or whether I'm suffering. Remember right now he's writing from jail to this church, and he's saying, I am content. Here's what Paul is telling us. Whether I have a filet, medium, rare, or ramen noodles, I've learned contentment. Whether I have a nice house or a college dorm room, I've learned contentment. Whether I'm single or whether I'm married, I've learned contentment. Whether I'm having a, a, a French Bordeaux wine or I'm drinking box wine from Aldi, I'm content. That's what he'll say. He's learned the secret. Whether he has plenty or whether he has little, I've learned the secret in all things. Whether he's vacationed to the beach or he goes to Branson. Right? Any other kids go on vacation in Branson every year? That was me. Yeah. Brad and I were both there. We, I don't know if we ran into each other, but our families were always there. I've learned the secret to being content. Verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And again, he's talking about this gift they sent. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, when I left you, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. He's like, listen, when I left on my journey and I left you guys, you were the only church that jumped in and helped support me. But again, Paul's like, that's okay. I learned contentment. I had some hunger because of that, but I'm okay. Even Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. One of the greatest marks of a gospel-centered life is generosity. One of the marks of a gospel-centered church is generosity. And Paul is writing back to this church, and he's just overflowing with gratitude because of their gift. To give, to live generously, is to live out of a response to the gospel. Because the gospel is that Christ gave us generously, that all of us deserve hell, but Jesus gave of himself that we might have life. And to to give generously is simply to live in response to the gospel. So as I taught today, may you not hear, you need to give so that God will be more happy with you or proud of you or get to heaven or you'll... That is religion. Religion says, if I do this, then God will love me. That's wrong. The gospel says, I am loved, therefore I do. So as we talk about generosity today, may we not switch the order. We give, and generosity comes out of a gospel-centered life. When I understand the cross, I understand what Jesus did for me, then the overflow is that I give. And Paul writes here, this is a thank you, he's thrilled by the Philippians church support by their gospel partnership. This church has given generously to them. Notice in this letter though he doesn't say thank you to them. He just says I rejoiced in the Lord because of you. So this gift from them, Paul's grateful for it, he's encouraged by them, but all of the all the overflow of gratitude just goes straight up. Because he knows ultimately the Lord is supplying their need. He's not trying to go to flattery. Or manipulation, like he's not saying, Hey, I'm going to name my prison cell after you because you've given me, and if you'll give me another 10%, I'll. Name. He's not doing that. He is simply writing to them saying, Your gift, it encouraged me, and all my gratitude goes to the Lord. Hill City, we have much to rejoice in. Much. And may our gratitude go up. May we honor the people that have given to us and may we thank them but our main gratitude go up um, Paul talks about when, we, when he says when I started my ministry you're the only church to enter into Do you guys realize many of us came out of Second Baptist they're the, our, main and, uh, our main sending church and they have partnered with us financially in a level um, that is very rare for a church to do and we um, we should thank God for them in two weeks their pastor, Dr. Marshall, is going to come preach for us, uh, and may we honor him when he is here. May our hearts overflow with gratitude. May we thank the Lord for him when he's here in two weeks. Second Baptist helped us get started, and they've supported us financially a, 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 great, a great amount, I think 16000 a month for the whole time that we've been going. That support takes us through November. They partnered with us for a year and a half. We have another church. Anyone from Kansas City? We have a church in Kansas City that's partnered with us. Redeemer Fellowship from Midtown, Kansas City, has been a gospel partner with us. They give us gave us a gift to get going. So Hill City Church is in partnership. We have we have churches that are that have supported us to help us get going. But here's the deal: from the time we started Hill City, Brad and I, our elders, we had a conviction that if we are going to be given, then we must also give, and. This is what I tell people as we talk about money, is this idea, well, when I get to this point, when I start making this amount, then I'll give. Here's what I tell a fifth grader who makes an allowance, start giving. And so from the time we started Hill Street Church, our conviction was we must give. So this year in 2017, we're going to give 11.5% of our budget away, of our money away. It's going out. Amazing thing. We have... Uh, because we believe one of the greatest marks of a gospel-centered church is generosity. So this year, we have church partners, uh, church planter that we have supported, uh, Giacomo and Miriam Sardone, which we have their picture here. They are in Italy, Perugia, Italy. They are planting a church uh, in the city of Perugia. The name of the church, hold on, I've been working on this, I'm working on my Italian accent, Il Perugino Chiesa Christiana, v- oh, gosh, I always mess up. El Perugino Chie- Chiesa Christiana Evangelica. I know, I know you guys know how you like, that was terrible, okay? Here's what it means, a Christian evang- Evangelical Church of Perugia. So we, for this whole year, have been sending them money once a month to plant a church in an unreached area. So the city that they're in is about the size of Springfield. There's one other church in that city. One other. And when I say a church, 30, 40 people. They've jumped in there. They've started seeing people come to Christ. They have a congregation of maybe 40 to 50 people. So we sent them um, an offering, a a gift offering. We do it every single month. One of those months, they opened the letter, saw our check that we'd sent them, and their hearts were overflowing with gratitude, and they sent me a little video. And we're going to show that to you real quick. Hi from Perugia. Hi. Uh, Hi from our living room
1: uh,
0: (laughs) here in Perugia, our Small, house, nice house, <laughs> <laughs> and we wanna make this short video uh, just to say thank you, thank you so much. Uh, we are really grateful for your faithfulness uh, in uh, in financial support, but uh, also in in pray in pray support. Uh, we felt from God that uh, you are part of uh, our ministry here in Italy, and we wanna say thank you, just with this short video, and also we want to say thank you to um, Pastor Daniel and Emily, uh, but also Pastor Brad, and and he goes on for about six minutes, because it's a short video, right, it's a short video, but I I wanted you to see them, Um, I want to see them, so here's what, here's what I, Molly, who's our intern that does all of our communications, I put a link on her. she's put a link up on our Facebook page today to their church's Facebook page. Here's what I'm going to ask, can we bomb their Facebook page? Because they're going to be asleep in the next few hours. When they wake up in the morning, what if there was all kinds of encouragement and prayers and little notes written to them on their Facebook page from Hill City Church? It's encouraging their ministry. That's on our Facebook group. Let's go bomb them. Let's make it, uh, let's let's blow up their Facebook wall. Um, If you would, Molly, if you'd also put Giacomo's uh, Facebook profile link on there too, We'll we'll just bomb the church and him. It'll be awesome. So we have we have supported them financially because we believe as the Lord has given to us we should give. Now here's an exciting announcement I have. So last week Michael, one of our elders, him and I went to New York to meet with a church planner there that's in uh, that's in up. I know this looks like the next GQ uh, magazine, but it's not. It's not. The guy on the left there is Rich Perez. He's a church planner in Washington Heights, Manhattan. Which if you think Manhattan, is the very northern tip of the little Manhattan strip there in New York City. He is planting a a very multi-ethnic, multi-racial church in Washington Heights. And so we have just covenanted with him this past week for the next two to four years. We're going to partner with him and send him financial support for them to reach young people. Here's what they're seeing in their city is they get the teenagers um, until they're about 14. And then 14 to 21, they lose them to gangs and all sorts of other stuff. So we're going to partner with them that they can hire a youth, kind of young adult person to walk with those students and help them. And so that's a new thing for us. Starting next month, we're going to start partnering with Rich Perez. Uh, I, our plan is to bring Giacomo and Rich here in this next year. that, so that many of you can meet them. We can hear them uh, preach to us. So what our church models corporately is what I'm going to call us to individually. I want to make sure we understand that. What our church does corporately, we give. 11.5%, and honestly, our goal is in the next couple of years to make that 15, 20, 25. We want to make that even more. We want to give way more away in Springfield. What we do corporately is what I am calling all of us to individually. Look at verse 17 this in chapter 4 here. Here's what Paul says. Not that I seek the gift, meaning that financial gifts, but I seek the fruit of, that increases to your credit. There's two things, and it's going to guide the rest of our sermon here this morning. Not that I seek the gift. For Paul, it's not about the money. If there's one thing I tell you about Hill City Church, it's not about the money. Like, this is about as cool as we're going to get right here. We're not buying fog machines, and we're not getting a big cool light. We're, we're just not about stuff. And it's not about the money. But here's what Paul says, and he says about this gift. Not that I seek the gift or the money, but I seek the fruit, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, that increases to your credit. Two things, fruit and your credit. Here's what Paul, and we're going to start with the your credit thing. Here's what Paul is rejoicing about is that gift reveals the heart of the people of that church. And that causes them to rejoice. Remember, these are people he's worked with. He's led to Christ. He started the church. And he sees this gift, and he's like, man, that gift reveals their heart because one of the greatest measurements of your joy in Christ is your wallet. One of the greatest measurements of my joy in Christ is my wallet. Matthew 6, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's how I would say it. What you long for is your God. What you long for is what you love. And what you long for, what you think about, what you pursue is going to reveal your heart. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So Paul's not just rejoicing because he has money in his pocket. He was rejoicing because it reveals the heart of the people that he loves. So he says, this gift is to your credit, meaning it reveals to me what you're made of. Because he knows we live towards what we love. And this church says we love Christ, and now he's saying, okay, this gift shows me like you are living towards what you love. Like I can see to your credit that the Lord is doing something in you. One of the greatest marks of a gospel centered life is generosity. Now, this is you know, many of you saying, okay, this is probably the point where you're gonna tell me that we need to tithe, right? And tithe is that idea of give 10% of our income. Uh, come on, that's like so Old Testament. I mean, that was like then, but not, not now. So it brings up this question, what is the relationship of the Old Testament law, which the law for the Jews in the Old Testament was give 10% of your income? What's the relationship with the Old Testament and the New Testament? Because the New Testament never says, thou shall give 10%. doesn't tell Christians a percentage, doesn't tell you what to give. The call of the New Testament is Generosity. So we always have this question we want to wrestle with. How do, what does it look like? How does the Old Testament and New Testament come together? Here's what Romans says. We now are released from the law. Whew, good deal. I didn't like that 10% thing. Released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. good deal. I'm glad we're not Old Testament now. We have to give 10% of our income like God told us to, right? Um, but here's a so, so here's what happens in the New Testament. Jesus takes the law and he connects it to the heart. So the law would say have no other gods, don't have idols. Jesus is going to say this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's not about having a bronze statue in your living room. It's about What does your heart long for? The law would say, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't want your neighbor's wife. Here's what Jesus would say. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus takes the Old Testament laws and commands. He doesn't throw them out. He says, no, we're going to take those external things and we're going to apply them right here to our heart. Because what we love, what we long for, is really our God. Okay, so what about the 10%? What's that mean? Um, here's what I would say. We live under a new covenant. The old covenant was the Old Testament. The new covenant is now with Christ. Um, here's what I would argue. We should value Christ so, hard, so highly, our salvation so highly, the gospel so highly that we are delighted to give out of an overflow of love to God. So do we bring over the 10% thing from the Old Testament? And I did a lot of research on that. Here's what I think Paul would challenge us all through the New Testament. I think Paul would challenge us that the Old Covenant was good, but Christ is better. Read the book of Hebrews. The Old Covenant standard was good, but the New Covenant is better. I think the challenge of Paul for us as believers, and I'm talking to myself, is to outgive the Old Covenant. If everything with Christ is better, then why would our generosity not be better? Now remember, you don't earn your righteousness through rule keeping. I I always got to say that because our our religious minds say, oh man, I got to give more so that God will be happy with me. No. The command to give, Jesus is going to say, let's take it to the heart and let's wrestle with what is my God and what's it look like to live as Jesus Christ is my God. Hill City, do you joyfully or sorrowfully give. Well, I can do. I can do two percent. That didn't. That didn't really cost me that much. You know, the Old Testament says ten, but now I'm in the New Testament, I have grace. I can, I can just do two. Parents, do you treat your kids' birthday present like that? We just have my daughter's birthday. As a parent, is not a joy to give to your kid that you love. We delight. It's not like, oh gosh, Aaron's birthday's coming up. Emily, we got to get her something. What's the minimum we can, how much do we spend on Ellie? What's the minimum we can, no, like we love our kids most of the time and <laughs> we want, we want to give to them. Second Corinthians nine, six, here's what Paul says. The point is this, which is really funny because sometimes it's hard to know what Paul's point is, but he's going to tell us here. The point is it is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. I want you to know my goal today is not guilt. I have zero motivation for guilt. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so, that you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is not after sorrowful, duty, rule-keeping. God is after generous hearts that overflow in love and gratitude. He's about the heart. And what I believe about generosity, what I believe about gener- generosity Reveals what I believe about God. When I do discipleship with people, I always I always draw this little graphic on a piece of paper. Um, I always ask them, do you have to wrestle with the commands of the Bible? Do we have that little graphic that has arrows on it? The commands of the Bible. Do you believe the commands will lead you to joy or will lead you to sorrow? So I always start them off easy. Do not kill. How many of you believe if you follow that command not to kill, your life would be more joyful? Please raise your hand. Come on, you're making me nervous up here. Yeah, I I hope someone's like, I don't know, I'm still deciding on that one, right? Come on. It will lead us to joy, right? Or do I believe, man, if I don't kill someone, or if I kill someone, uh, my life would be better, right? To follow the command of God and not kill would lead me to sorrow, right? That's an easy one. How about this? Um, Forgive. The command is forgive. Would my life, would I have more joy in my life if I learned to forgive? Or would forgive lead me to sorrow? Ultimately, with everything, we have to put it through this rubric. What do I believe about the commands of Scripture? Generosity. What I believe about generosity believes or reveals what I believe about God. Do I believe the call of generosity will lead me to joy? Or will that lead me to sorrow? Paul's argument in Philippians is one of the secrets to joy, is generosity. We have to decide, do we believe it? Do I believe the Bible? Royce is my small group leader, our city group leader that we go to. He had a great um, talk one day and and talked to us. And here's what he, he, he told us. He said, we need to ask ourselves, do we believe that God is one who gives? Or do we see God as simply one that requires I've been wrestling with that for a, a month or two since he said it. Do I see God as someone who gives, meaning he gives all things to me? He told Eve, Adam and Eve, this whole, everything is yours, all of it. All of this garden yours except for one thing. Do I believe that God is a God who gives, or do I believe that God is a God that requires obedience? Because he likes to punish his children. Because Satan said to Eve, did God actually say You're not supposed to eat. See, Satan's trick was to get Eve to believe that God just requires obedience because he likes to see you suffer. Hill City, do we believe the command of generosity will lead us to joy or will lead us to sorrow? So the the model of the New Testament, we don't have 10% in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we have joyful, sacrificial generosity. We're not governed by percentages. We're governed by the gospel and an overflowed heart that comes out of that. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8. About he's writing to a Corinthian church, but he's writing about this Philippian church we're studying. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. That's the Philippian church. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, there's that word, and their extreme poverty. Do you see that? Joy and extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That's such a twist in words. I would think you would say in their abundance of joy and their extreme wealth, they have overflowed in great generosity. No. In their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, this church had nothing. These people had nothing. But yet they overflowed in wealth. And generosity, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. One of the greatest marks of your contentment in Christ is your wallet. So I was doing a lot of research on this, and here's a, here's a quote that I've been wrestling with um, since I saw it on the on a plane this week. It's by John Piper. Here's what he says. A middle-class American who's only giving 10% is probably robbing God. And I'm not saying like, point my finger at you, I'm like, do I believe the command of generosity is about joy or will it lead me to sorrow? And I'll tell you again, it's not about guilt. I'm not going to pass an offering plate. As a matter of fact, if you've been around Hill City, you notice we don't pass offering plates. And and here's the why behind it. I don't want you to give out of guilt. I don't think God wants you to give out of guilt. So I'm not going to put something in front of you where you feel like, oh man, I've got to make sure. No. There's a box out there. We do online. Many of us do online. If you want to give generously, we'd love, love for you to do that the Old Testament standards give 10%, the call of the New Testament is, is joyful, sacrificial generosity. Um, I'll be transparent. Emily and I lead by example. Since we have been married, been married so, six, 17 years, almost. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Uh, we, we've given at least 10%. Always. Sometimes we give in more, sometimes the 10%'s hurt. The Lord's always provided for us. And we can't say up 10%, check, we're done. We have to continually press into what does the Lord require us to give. Because I believe one of the measurements of my contentment in Christ is my wallet. Hill City, do we believe Christ is a source of all joy and contentment? Let's look at where we are, kind of one year in. Uh, As a church, here's where we are right now. We average about 43,000 a month. In giving. So, our Hill City Church, us, not from outside support, we give about $43,000 a month in, in our tithes and offerings, which is awesome. We praise God for that. Um, the, the things that we've been able to do, the baptisms, the ministry events, the thing we're doing in the park afterwards, is only because you give. And the Lord has supplied every need we've had this year. Um, Start doing some research because here's what a lot of you want to know well, how does our giving compare to other churches? Right, And and I'll tell you, it can be a little bit unfair because other churches sometimes have been around for years and years and years. We're brand new. But we put a slide together um, that helps us kind of see this. So for this, yeah, if you'll put the first one off. So a healthy giving metric, this is just kind of best practice for churches. Here's how to figure that out. We take our total annual giving. So we take our total annual giving for the year. We divide it by average attendance without kids. And then we divide that by 52 weeks in a year. And then you can see on the right, the top 10% would be $62 a week. The bottom would be $26 a week. So we put this into Hill City, and uh, here's where we line up for our our weekly giving per person. Next slide, please. So we're at $25 a week. Now, remember, we're a new church plant. I expected this. Don't worry. Uh, Which will tell you we're pretty low right? Now, look around, very young demographic as well. Many churches have people in their 50s, many, you know, hundreds of people in their 50s and 60s that are at the kind of the top of their wealth range. Okay, now here's what you're saying, okay, but come on, we have a bunch of college students, right? And what's the quote, college students don't give. Adults, I want to tell you something, I've been doing all the leadership interviews, we have about 30 college students coming on to lead. Um, one of the questions on there was, How much or do you give financially to Hill City? Um, most of them, it was yes, which was super encouraging to me. Now, it may be $2. Uh, one time in the offering thing, we got a, a stick of gum. So I'm sure it's <laughs> college students saying, That's the best I have. That's generous. That's generous. That's the best I have. So here's what we do. Let's do next slide. Next slide. So what I want to do is let's take out, let's just say we have about 80 college students on a week. Let's take out our college students. So sorry, guys. You don't count for a second, all right? So we take our, our yearly giving divided um, by our adults without college students, 52, and here's where we get a little better, but we're, we're still below average. And again, I say that. I don't say that to shame you or to us. We're a young church. Many of us are young families. Many of us are just starting our careers. But I do want you to know where we are. Um, I'll say it again. The Lord supplied every need we have. Every need. We're going to talk about next week some of the initiatives we have for the year. And, and we're going to ask that, that you would help us as the Lord provides for some of those. Um, so the call of the New Testament is sacrificial giving. Um, to a note, to, I'm talking to our covenant members and regular tenders. If you're a guest, I'm not really talking to you about this stuff today with, with us. Um, one of the things I'm going to ask those of you that are giving is that summer's coming up. And what happens in church a lot in the summer is people go on vacation, you're in and out, which is cool with us. We want you to go enjoy things. I'm going to ask that you stay very consistent and faithful with your giving so that we don't have a huge nosedive in the summer. Um, So that's that's just a request that you would do that. Today at the end of the gathering, some of you have been wanting to get online, do your giving online, you don't really know how to set that up. We'll have three or four computers and some people out there in the, in the connections area today. Afterwards, it can help you get that set up online. So here's what Emily and I do. It's online. It takes it out of our, paid, our um, bank account, automatic withdrawal. We don't even have to think about it because we forget things like that. So maybe I would encourage you, maybe ask many of you to get on that online giving before summer gets here. So the New Testament challenge is faithful, sacrificial generosity. And these, church, these people in this church in Philippi have given to their church, and their church can now give this offering to help Paul. And so here's the question I know I get, and I've, we've gotten a lot, is I give to other ministries, right? I want to live generously, and so I give some to the church, and I, and I support other missionaries, I support friends, I support um, college students that are going on trips. How does that play into to things? Okay, and here would be my challenge to you. Um, the church is the unique place in God's redemptive plan. All through the New Testament, it's clear that the church is the vehicle in which the Great Commission should go through. Here's what I'm going to ask: that you would give your tithe to the church, and then above and beyond to other ministries. I want you to support other ministries, organizations. But I'm going to ask that the tithe go to the church, and then above and beyond to those old test or to the to the uh, the other ministries that you would support. So Paul says in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So to those of you that give regularly at Hill City, here's what I'll tell you. Every time we baptize, it's to your credit. I'm not talking credit as in, now you can get to heaven, not that type of credit. But you are a piece of that. Every time we write a check and send it to Italy, that's to your credit. Every time we set up our equipment, when it doesn't blow up. That's to your credit. We have a a very strong group of um, some kind of midlife, older people in our church. Thank you to you guys because we cannot do this without you and that's to your credit. As a pastor, Brad and I, we don't know who gives, uh, the amount anyone gives. I don't ever want to know that because I don't want to, Do any type of favoritism. But I do know who gives. I don't know the amount, but I know who gives. Thank you to you older people that um, have helped us and continue to give sacrificially. So Paul's contentment did not increase because of the gift. His thanksgiving increased, but his contentment did not. And here's what I'll tell us, Hill City. If we are miserable, poor people we will be miserable, rich people. Hill City Church, if we will be a miserable, poor church, because we're a poor church, but hey, we're having fun. If we're a miserable, poor church, we'll be a miserable, rich church. Like we get some big sugar daddy come in here and write us a big old fat check. If we're miserable, that will change nothing. We'll just have cooler stuff. So verse 70, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So Paul says, I I see the credit, I see your hearts, and that caused me to rejoice. And now I also see the fruit that this is going to happen. So Paul's not rejoicing because of the gift. He's rejoicing because of the fruit the gift is going to produce. There's one thing that you should know about our church is we are passionate about seeing lives change. I mean, that is what drives us. We have a phrase we started using, measure everything in life change. And the thing that I get excited about is what, could we can, what fruit could we continue to see? What could we accomplish if our covenant members and regular tenders gave out of generosity and continue to press and we continue to grow in our generosity? What can we, we see? This year we've seen 27 baptisms as of today. 27 adults except one kid. 27 baptisms. We've seen a 28% increase in attendance this year. We have 145 covenant members. A year ago, we had zero. We've seen life after life after life change. I wish I could take an hour and just bring up, and just let you hear all the stories of life change. The thing that made Paul rejoice, and the thing that I get excited about, is the potential for life change. Measure everything with life change. He'll say, I want you to imagine for a second, because these are all stories of life change in our church. Imagine a young man who is eating And drinking to dull pain. Imagine that man. And then here's the gospel and set free. Hill City, imagine a girl living in the shame of sexual abuse. Can Can you imagine her? She won't tell anyone. And for the first time, tells people and is walking away from shame. Hill City, can you imagine a married couple who's on the verge of divorce but are walking through steps of reconciling their marriage. Hill City, can you imagine a single mom who for the first time ever took the step of jumping into a a city group and is in community for the first time ever? Hill City, can you imagine a young man, young professional, who has recently started coming to our church, has never heard the gospel before, and is starting to hear what true contentment looks like? Can you imagine A man who was addicted to pornography and for the first time ever told his spouse about it and is now starting to walk in freedom and I could keep going and that's all that's happened in this year at Hill City and what gets Paul fired up is not the gift but the life change that comes out of the gift Hill City may we measure everything in life change and man we got we got big plans. We have big vision if the Lord would supply. Uh, churches tend to overestimate what they can do in a year, but they tend to underestimate what God could do in 10 years. What could God do in 10 years as we continue to give sacrificially and share the gospel? Like we have a vision, we have a dream of a for the city center. Like I don't want to build a building that we come in once a week. What if we had a place that all of nonprofits in Hill City could come and have office space for really, really cheap and we could go out together, we could link people all across the city and transform this city. We have a dream for that. What if if we ever do get a bill it's not a place for us, it's a place for the city? You guys see, the, anyone see the uh, KY3 article this week about the church that bought the Palace Theater? Anyone see that? So a church just bought the Palace Theater over on Kansas Expressway, and the, the, the residents of the Palace area are signing a petition saying, we don't want this theater turned into a church. Okay, and here's what I'll say that reveals Springfield doesn't want another church building they're saying we got enough and I would say yeah I agree with that what if we lived different and said we want a place for this city because we love this city what if as a church we continue to give generously and we continue to give more away If what if next year we can do 15% If what if next year we can do 25% what if one day in 10 years we could give 50% of our money away every single year What could the Lord do? So Hill City Church, to our covenant members and our regular attenders, I'm calling you, I believe Paul would call you, to be a gospel partner. If you're not giving, I say this in love, if you're not giving, you're not a partner, you're a consumer. I don't say that to shame you, I don't say that to guilt you, I say that because I love you enough to tell you what the New Testament says. Hill City members, regular tenders, may we step out of an overflow of love and give as Christ has given to us. Here's what we say all the time. Um, the gospel meets you where you are. And that includes... A, a guy that was this strung out or a girl that's, that's uh, hopping from guy to guy, that includes that, but it also includes a businessman who has a lot of money, has kept it all for himself. The gospel meets you where you are. They don't hear, well, I've got to fix these things so then I can get to God. No, the gospel meets you there, but the gospel is going to tell us all to open up our lives and be generous. Maybe the reason you're giving is because you're like strapped financially, And maybe just the first step for you is getting a budget. Here's the cool thing. Talk to me. We've got like four or five financial advisors here in our church who would love to sit down with you and help you work through some things. We want to serve you and help you. May you become a gospel partner. Here's my challenge. Singles. College students, singles. I mean, I said over the next couple weeks, you look at your budget, budget and you start praying and you decide in your heart what the Lord would call you to give generously and you commit to it. And you go regular and faithful. Mary, people, here's my challenge to you that you have a couples, you and your spouse get together the next week or two, and you look down at your budget and say, what does it look like for us to give out of an overflow? If you have been giving to Hill City, thank you. I'm going to challenge, may you reevaluate and see what has the Lord required you to give. Again, at the end of the gathering today, out in the atrium, there will be a place where you can get set up for online giving. They can help you with that. But here's what it all comes down to. Let me bring it back as we close do we believe, what do we believe about God? Do we believe the commands are for joy or to live as he has called me, will that lead me to a burden? Do we believe that obedience brings blessing? Obedience brings blessing. Hill City, as we receive communion, may we understand that our righteousness is not obtained through what we give. We've been given righteousness. We receive righteousness. But today as we receive, may we give in response. Let's pray.